All right. Today we've got James Delap. James, thanks so much for uh, for making the time. Joe, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for asking me to come on. I feel sort of slightly humbled because I'm not one of those great captains of industry that you've been talking to. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll, I'll be the judge of that. Um, let's let's get started as we do. Uh, remind us what you were doing before NCAT briefly and then walk us through what you've done for the last 20 years. Yeah, so um, before NCAT, I did about um, 10 years um, for a big sort of um, multinational textile company. So knocking knocking around the world, building manufacturing plants, running manufacturing operations, and really had a great time. Loved, loved the corporate career, but um, spent my whole life sort of sitting on aeroplanes, writing sort of alcohol-fueled business plans that when I then got back to looking at them two, two, two weeks later, made no sense at all. I mean, I think somewhere I've got from um, about sort of 1997, a business plan for what's basically Spotify. And it's like, <laughs> I wish I'd known how to do that, but I would not Brilliant. even close. So, you know, I, I went to INSEAD to um, see if I could could be an entrepreneur and get out of this corporate rut because I know I, I loved I loved it, but I wanted to be um, didn't want to be a cog in someone else's machine. I wanted to make make my own weather. Um, so I came to INSEAD um, really just to sort of explore whether I was an entrepreneur or not. And if I wasn't, I could slink back into um, corporate life and <laughs> say, hey, I've got an MBA. <laughs> um and so for me, it was really interesting, did all of the entrepreneur things. But, you know, it was the REP course that sort of caught my imagination because, you know, I'd spent sort of 10 years building and running manufacturing plants. Um, and particularly, you know, in the textiles world, you are often dealing with quite old manufacturing plants and how to turn those around. So I thought I had sort of a skill set I could build on there. So really, um, so sort of straight after INSEAD, my rep project just carried on and I kept on looking for another business. <laughs> And, and was that the original plan, or did you really get inspired by that class and decided to, to carry on with with buying, actually buying business? I think it was always one of my possibilities. I think I'd, coming into INSEAD, I thought more I might go the startup route, just because a management buy-in as opposed to management buy-outs always a more tough prospect, and I kind of knew that beforehand. But I think Rep showed that actually a management buy-in was a was a credible route forward. Yeah, it made, it made it somewhat accessible. You you saw you saw the stories, you talked to the people, and yeah. Exactly. I really knew how to do it because, I mean, really the rep project was exactly what I did. So for six, for six seven, eight months after INSEAD, we stayed living in Boromalot and um, just worked the internet, worked the phones, got on planes, went to go and see lots of different businesses, kicked the tires on lots of different ones. And I think it was sort of Christmas after INSEAD, I finally found one that um, I thought would work. Oh, wow. So you didn't find the company you ended up buying until, what, six months after the program ended? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to go and see, you know, you've got to go and kiss a lot of frogs um, uh-huh. so you can uh-huh. find your princess. So um, <laughs> I think it's Prince, but but carry on. Yeah. The, um, the yeah, you know, I, I would sort of, I think, I'd sort of find a lot of ideas down during rep. Um, you know, I think I knew what my skill set was. I could see a sort of an opportunity set. I'd, I'd spent a lot of time building plants in East Europe. So um, I was looking for a business that needed, that would benefit from um, a move of the production to East Europe, some or all of. 
So, so to t- tell us more, what was this thing that you bought, you know, and, and to be as, 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 as inappropriate as you can, I want to hear numbers. I want to hear all, all this good stuff to the extent you okay. talk about it. Well, it was interesting. It was a, um, you know, the first business we bought was a small um, business. They made pallet racking and shelving systems out of a factory in East, East end of London. Um, and they were part for what of, use for like industrial use or commercial for, for warehouses. So, um, okay. so yeah, so, uh, you know, they, they would do like the, like here we have these big homeware stores, B and Q, which they, it's like a racking system that they actually present their product, some of their products on. So they, they would do that as be the closest they got to retail, but mostly it was warehouses and, um, yes. And they were in the, that one was in the smaller end of the market. Um, but you know they were owned by a Birmingham company that um, that had sort of landed up acquiring this one through a series of acquisitions, and you know, the business had lost money for five years straight. The guys in Birmingham had no clue how to turn it round. Didn't understand. Well, where was this based? So the business I bought was based in London, so it was remote okay. from the head office of the group that had landed up owning gotcha. it. And yeah, it was you know it was losing a ton of money. I can't remember. I think it was doing about four or five million pounds a year's worth of sales, losing up to a million pounds a year for five years straight. Um, so how do you value and, that? How do you figure out how much to pay for it? Well, so so really, it got down to um, so actually, was, yeah, we we managed to buy like um, net asset value of over two million quid, and uh, we we bought it for two hundred k. Amazing, amazing. We basically, they 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 just just, just take it off their hands. Yeah, they 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 were reaching their year end, and it's just like you know, chief exec just wanted to be able to wash his hands and say, "This isn't my problem anymore." Beautiful, so, beautiful. So it was nice. Um, put together a um, you know, I bumper over that Christmas, right, writing the business plan for it, um, and actually, then, and then going out, um, sort of. A, I went back to Mike, who taught the REP course, um, who actually came on board as our lead investor. Um, yeah, there's there's some cynical people who think that he just teaches that course to to get you know early early sniffs at <laughs> uh, at these businesses. Yeah, there might there might be an element of that. Uh, it's an interesting character, good character in lots of ways, challenging in others. Um, the but yeah, no, we got sort of um, so got him on board with the idea, and you know the the valuation and everything was kind of no problem. If we could land it at that valuation, it was kind of a bit of a no brainer. Um, and then really had an absolute race because these guys so so did um got mike on board as a lead investor over over the christmas period did um heads of terms with them sort of first week in january middle of january and then had an absolute race to get the thing complete by their year end at the end of march because they're like yeah we'll do it for 200k but we've got to sort this out by the end of march yeah Mm-hmm. And you know, and they, the reason they came to us is like uh, they came to me was like, oh yeah, you look like you're a good team that really know what you're doing and have done this before, so that we thought we could trust you to get it over the line. And I'm like, never done it before. The team is just <laughs> me, but uh, they never really twigged that, <laughs> which is a whole part of the um, smoke and mirrors that the um, getting getting these things done was. So it was good. You know, we managed to find. I've got a friend friend from uni who was a lawyer. who was absolutely brilliant. Helped me race it through, and you know, really managed to, um, and actually managed to get quite a lot more value out of the um, out of the deal compared with the heads of terms that they didn't really understand. Um, you know, by the 
by the time you've really got into the business, I'm, I'm quite sure I understood it by, by the late February better than anyone in, in their Birmingham office had understood it for the three or four years that they'd owned it. Um, so you, how many years did you spend running it? What did you do to grow it? And like, what, what did the exit look like? Yeah, so it was a um, yes, yeah, conscious time. Yeah, the um, it was a um, first thing was it was, was turnaround. So just sat there for a couple of months, understand what was going on. It was kind of obvious. It was just there was a lot of stuff being mispriced. They didn't understand their costs, and they had a a lot of overheady sounding job titles. So sacked all the overhead and um, rearranged the prices. Won the tenders that we ought to win, lose the tenders we ought to lose. And month four onwards, we were profitable. Um, first time in five and a bit years for that business. So it was it was sweet. Then bought another business. So off the success of that, then. Um, got approached by actually a much larger competitor um, that was owned by another group um, that actually they'd done an MBO of that business some years previously. So they were sort of looking for an exit. And they approached us to say, one of us ought to buy the other. Why don't you buy by us? Um, So we bought them. That was a bigger business, sort of 15, 20 million pounds worth of turnover. Um, So bought that. How'd How'd you finance that? That was um, a bit more equity, but mostly debt financed um, because we had quite a lot of borrowing capacity on the first business that we hadn't used. We were able to do that. Um, I would say... You know, and sorry, how many years after the, the, the first transaction did this thing happen? That was about a year and a half after the first transaction. Oh, wow. Quick. That was quick. quick. Wow. But, you know, the, the bank loved us because, you know, they were a bit suspicious like can you turn this round and we bought this business and turned it round in three months and it was like oh yeah okay <laughs> that's good we trust you cool i would cool. say I, I made a mistake i felt like i i really once i'd shaken hands with these guys and sort of a heads of terms i felt i really needed to stick to it i felt sort of a moral obligation to in practice um i overpaid for that second business i um i didn't understand didn't fully get my head around them how different their working capital cycle was to the business i already had's working capital cycle so that that put us into quite a stretched position um which was really stressful quite a long way through then um with some help from max from our promotion actually um got um set up a big manufacturing business in romania so we bought a huge um, 30,000 square foot, square meter, I can't remember, absolutely vast, um, ancient communist era factory in, um, <laughs> in the back of Romania, um, which um, we were then able to sort of split into, um, we, split, we, we kept half of, we, we split it into two, half of it we then totally gutted and refurbished for our own use and then we split the other half into three units and let them out to other businesses that wanted to move move over there so it turned into quite a big property play um as well which worked again and thankfully that side worked very very well indeed and we managed to um to um do a um sort of eventually we did a sort of sale and lease back on the whole property we'll say sale of the whole property and lease back on the bit that we used and that really sort of sorted out the balance sheet of the combined entity um which by that stage was in need of some sorting out (laughs) 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 so yeah we'd invested a lot that way and um and you know we were just sort of getting everything settled down and then the um 
we were approached by um, one of the largest European competitors. And it was nice when I'd written the original paper, I'd written down three companies that might buy us. And number one was the company that came came and asked us if we were interested in doing a deal. Um, That's amazing. I love it when a plan comes together. I <laughs> love it when a plan comes together. Yeah. But so and actually, the first time they'd approached us, we were still sorting out the property transaction and sorting out the balance sheet. So I'd said no to them. Then they came back to us. Which is exactly what they want to hear. Then, then they get even more thirsty. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I guess so. Because then they came back to us and said, no, 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 we really are interested about six months later. And I'm like, uh, you know, spoke to Mike and it's like, well, okay, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about it. It was now, we've probably got a decent valuation to come out here. So um, we did that and, um, and we agreed on, um, ahead of terms on what would have been a very nice exit for all concerned. And then Bear Stearns went bust and they sucked their teeth. And then there was a lot of like, oh, okay. And everything was just went on hold and wasn't moving. Because, you know, we were as an industry, you know, it was people in order to buy our product needed to invest in new warehouses. They had to have stock to want to put on it. So the financial, uh, when Bear Stearns went bust, it was looking a bit wobbly, but it was still okay. We forget how scary that time was. There, there were some, you know, uh, end of world scenarios being talked about, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, so that, so we had that going on. Then, so, so, so the heads of terms got trimmed um, and it was still Decent exit though. Everyone making a comfortable. I can't remember ten x on original equity. Um, it was like all happy days. Um, then Lehman went bust, <laughs> and um, and at the same time, we had our bank. Um, it was ever complete shits. Um, we our biggest. So our, our banks in Romania were fantastic, fully supportive all the way through. Never a problem. Loved them. Um, our British banks. Our main source of financing was an invoice finance line. And mm. they started saying they had technical problems with the line. Now, the way invoice finance works, it turns over so quickly that by the time they'd strung this, or oh, we're having technical problems here out for like a month, the whole facility's vanished and it's like the whole thing stopped. So we suddenly lost all of our UK finance, which um, debt finance, totally out of the blue unexpectedly. Um, oh and so that really put us um, over a barrel. Um, and that was just obviously, I mean, I've, I've heard other friends, um, similar sized businesses, the banks were being, you know, they were, they were in the deep shit and they were pulling every line of finance that they could do. And mm. they, they, they managed to do it, do it that way from us. So, um, so we were kind of in a like a bit more of a must do position on this deal. Plus the, um, the cratering of this was really, changed all the prospects for the industry so the deal terms changed and it was like well okay there's no more any debt finance to support this deal so it was a private equity owned business so they they were like right well okay we'll do we'll still go through with the deal but all of the equity is going to be well, almost all of the equity is going to be on deferred terms so um relatively small payout actually on completion everything else on um contingent on a couple of things which should have taken 12 18 months to come through um but well, so then, presumably you, you stuck around for a while and managed the the, the thing after well, the so, is that so, always part of the plan or were you planning on walking away and, and uh that was always the, the plan was um a phased phased handout was like sort of 12 12 12 months well, no 
Well, the plan I signed up for on paper was was um, stick around for as long as they wanted me. But in my head, it was always like, you know, I'll do a year or two and see how it goes. Um, but then they started throwing the freaking kitchen sink at us in terms of lawyers and absolutely buried us in legal fees. So, you know, I think we were still owed about four million quid. And we got to the stage where we'd thrown best part of half a million quid at lawyers um, and the lawyers were telling us it's going to take another million quid to get this to court and then we can't guarantee success and it's just like it's crazy so everything I'd had out of the deal had gone back in on lawyers fees and we had to decide are we prepared to carry on throwing more money at it and you know it was just so this this is after the transaction's done you're you're fighting them to get paid what they said they're going to pay you exactly that okay yeah wow um and it was just, you know, it was, it was, it was horrible. It was deeply depressing. And I tell you, I'm, I mean, it was just, you know, from them, it was obviously, yeah, you know, they saw that they had much deeper pockets and would just be able to bury us in legal fees, and we would back off. And unfortunately, their maths was absolutely right. <laughs> is is, is that their sort of the, the mo for this particular company, or or? Uh... Certainly, speaking to people, it's not uncommon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, particularly. I'm not sure this company had a bit of a dodgy track record in the UK. They, they've kind of um, already been prepared to really stiff their UK pension fund. And they'd done a restructuring, which had left all of their pensioners badly out of pocket all over the news. Um, mm. And so the management team, they were obviously comfortable with that as with sort of extreme moves as a line of behavior. And the private equity um, guys behind them were obviously happy to um, stand behind that kind of approach. So, well, maybe, maybe there's another podcast we can do of naming and shaming these uh, these <laughs> naughty actors. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll save that for another uh, another, save that another day. For another one. But yeah, so, so, so that, w- yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. So, what, what what have you been doing since? Yeah. So, well, that that really completely bankrupt. I mean, you know, it um, really totally cleaned me out financially. Um, you know, I'd, I'd put pretty much yeah, apart from. They they paid me some redundancy, which gave me some months salary. But apart from that, you know, I had put absolutely everything else back into that. So I was absolutely wiped out. Um, So I was a bit like, fucking hell, what am I going to do now? I'll start again. (laughs) Um, About the same time, actually, also my father had died. Uh, One of the things that um, he had was a... um, it was really a bit of a well, very much a, an expensive hobby business um, up here in Scotland. As a, um, a little tiny brewery, I mean, employed four four people, um, did a couple of hundred thousand pounds a year's worth of sales, and Dad was spending I don't know, tens of thousands of pounds every year keeping it going. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I did a bit of consulting for some other people, but I was having a look at this business just to see. Yeah, is it something that is it? Do I just kill it, or is it just something that we could actually do something with? And actually, I came out to your part of the world, San Francisco, and um, went um, up around quite a lot of the breweries around North California, Northern California, and saw the kind of businesses that they built out of small beginnings. And you know, you look at Sierra Nevada now. I mean, it's a massive business, and they started in the garage up in Northern California, and had really built that up. I know I was looking at it and thinking, well, you can do that in the States. Why can't we do that in the UK? So um, so I started, anyway, so I sort of figured, you know, get, get involved, see what we can do with it. And so I sort of got started. And how long ago would this have been? 
this was now about 13 years ago, I guess. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. This yeah. is before the big craft beer thing, you know, got, got super, super popular. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of after, it was like, it was already pretty popular in the States, but it was still much earlier deals over here. Mm-hmm. Um, although this is different. There's always been a bit of a, um, a microbrew scene over here that's a bit different to the American scene. So I just thought, well, fuck it, I'm going to get stuck into this and give it, give it a go. So I spent the last sort of 13 years. And also, one of the things I'd seen from my um, search for a company, so I'd knocked around and see, looked at so many businesses that had changed hands every three to five years. And everyone's just trying to turn a quick buck. And the, the absence of long-term patient capital um, to actually building properly sustainable businesses, I found immensely depressing. You know, you don't see it. You go to Germany, you see those Mittelstand companies that have been built up over generations and are fantastic. You see the same thing in Holland. You see the same thing in northern Italy. Those are the places I particularly know. And you just don't see that sort of strand of um, business in, in the UK. So I really wanted something that I could actually do as a long term patient project rather than perhaps shying away from the REP sort of fix it quick, sell it in three to five. Um, approach, you know, I actually sort of slightly resiled, you know, quite possibly because of emotional reasons. Possibly never wanted to sell to another private equity. PTSD. PTSD. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so possibly a bit of that going on too. But you know, you know, I, I like manufacturing businesses. Um, you know, I like um, businesses where you can build sort of really solid, solid teams. Um, so. Yeah, so that's that's what's what the goal is, is to build a business and you know, not is to take it forward as sort of a nice organic growth rate, no outside money. You know, um we bootstrapped it from, from the day I bought it. Well, didn't buy it from the day I inherited it from dad, but um uh, you know, say up to that point it had money poured into it. And again, it's like, well, we're not gonna have there is no more money to pour into it, so we've got to get mm-hmm. this thing into profit and I've got to earn a living from it. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And you know, just got stuck in and stead steadily grown, and you know, and it's working. You know, now make a, a very tidy living from it. We're one of the biggest brands in Scotland. We're pushing out steadily into the UK. We even used to do a nice bit into the states before COVID killed our American importer, which was a great shame. Oh, sorry, <laughs> so, sorry. And and you're you're actually living in Scotland, uh, near yeah. near the, the 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 base. No, not that near. I've chose chose to live over in Edinburgh um, just because Edinburgh is a fun city to live 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 near. And the brewery is a bit in the um, up in the middle of nowhere, but it's a great place up there. Um, you know, I've got lots of family up there. The um, and it's a place that community really. It's it's rural. It's got a real proper community feel about it. Um, and you know, we we have a good sort of tap room. We bring lots of people to the area. We have, do a fantastic sort of music and beer festival every year, which um, brings thousands of people to come and camp and um, dance and nice. drink too much. Nice. And, yeah, it's well, good fun. I, 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 I will see you there at some point. This this sounds. Um, James, this has been incredible. Actually, I've got a bunch of like rapid fire questions, but you've already answered most of them. So I'll just I'll just do one. Um, aside from buy as much of your beer as possible, what what can us in the inside community do to to support you either either professionally or personally? You know, I, I, um, I don't really know. I have to say, it's funny. I feel sort of a bit removed from the whole inside world. You know, all my mates around in the industry are all running brewery businesses and stuff but it's a slightly different way of 
the world from the inside world. So I think it's more a question of, you know, what can I do to help other people? Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm keen, keen to see what I can do to help. Well, tell us that. What, what, what can you do to help us? I've got no idea as well. That's another hard question. <laughs> Again, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe giving us beer. Maybe giving us beer. It goes yeah. both ways. <laughs> That's perhaps the thing. Could be that. Uh, uh-huh. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Really, really nice talking to you. Thanks. Thanks so, so much. No, pleasure, Joe. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye.